Say What? Say What Radio Show. With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. And welcome to the Say What Show. It's August 20th, 2022. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard, Walt Silva, Yasmin, and Bob West. And everybody does seem to be here. Yes? Yasmin, you're here. Yes? <laughs> yes. I am, I am here. I can hear you. I have the new microphone, and hopefully you can hear me. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. And how how about Dolly? Is she here? She normally is. She seems to be here. Yep. I'm okay. here. Okay. And Walt. Walt's here. Uh, he says he's muted. No sound. Uh-oh. <laughs> he's muted and it's no sound? That's what he says in the chat. I'm muted. No sound. We are talking... Oh, for heaven's sakes, I didn't think it'd be him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's like the master computer guru. <laughs> Try talking. I'll reboot, he says. Okay. Um, all right, so hi there, everybody, and thank you very much, Jan Shaw, for another informative uh, presentation was uh, Cosmic uh, Creating for those that don't know what I'm talking about Jan Shaw, she does current event updates that only Jan can <laughs> so um, okay, so Dolly do we do you want do you have something you wanted to uh, touch base with? You're muted Okay uh, I hit every button but the mute button um no, you hit the mute button because we can hear you. I wanted to share. Well, I finally found the right button. Hold on, I wanted to share something. Um, Jan sent me this from Lori Ann, commented on Jan's Shaw's post in Cosmic Reality. This is from Facebook. Dolly, oh. She says, the moon is moving in the opposite direction tonight. Hold on. This computer's going haywire. It, let's see. It normally moves right to left in Florida. To, tonight, it's moving up and around the opposite direction. Exactly what Russell and I are seeing. And this was from Michael Gates. Uh, it, it was a comment in Facebook. So that was pretty cool that Jan shared that with me. Uh, Russell and I aren't the only ones seeing that happen. Well, I, There was one other I, thing I wanted to share. Go ahead. What? 
I, I just wanted to say I've been out there every night looking at it. I don't stay out there all night looking at it, but it's always exactly where it should should be from the night before. I'm going out about the same time in Florida. So I I don't I don't know I don't know what you guys are seeing because I'm not seeing, but I'm not watching it all night. You know, maybe it wanders around and I only see it where it's supposed to be because it is supposed to be there. I don't know, but I'll go ahead. And um, tell us what your second thing was. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to throw that in there. I have been looking. <laughs> Dolly? And you haven't seen it. Why, that's really weird. I'm glad that you can't hear me? Yeah, I hear you now. Oh. Uh, well, I'm glad that Jan shared that with me. Uh, other people are seeing it, so Russell and I are not crazy. Can I can I ask a Which question? Which makes me. Hello. Yeah. I was wondering. I was wondering, Dolly, yeah. have you checked the local tidal conditions against the predicted and the registered tides over the last couple of weeks nearby, so that you could see if there was any change between the predicted tidal levels and the actual recorded tidal levels? If. Someone That's way freaking too complicated. Well, it's just that the, the moon affects the tides. So here in San Francisco, we would, if somebody said, "Oh, we think that there's something changing," um, our quickest indicator would be to to look at the bay and see if the predicted tides, which they predict pretty much years in advance, are any different or how different they might be from the tides that they register that day. And that would tell you if your heavenly body is off course. Now, Walt, you also said that you saw the changes in the moon, correct? Uh, yeah, I uh, I saw it very close to the horizon, which is is which is rare. I haven't seen it that way. I mean, you look you look at the window, and it, it's almost on top of the houses across the street. So that's really low on the horizon. Normally the moon is higher than that, but I don't know how, if it's a seasonal thing. Uh, I'm not an astronomer, so I never follow that. But uh, it, it was rare. I, I, I don't remember seeing it that low. And I've been in this house since two, uh, what, I've been here since 2013. So I'm, uh, no, sorry, yeah. It's um, 13 years I'm in this house, and I don't remember seeing the, the the moon that low on the horizon. Yeah. So uh, out out here in in California, we we always you know it's I guess they call it the same thing in Canvas called a harvest moon, and August, September, October, the moon appears different because we're transitioning across the equator. And when you get low on the horizon, you get distortion. Um, uh, good example of this is Venus. Venus is a very bright star. And during World War II, a lot of those submarine guys would, uh, they dive because they saw Venus and thought it was an airplane coming at them um, because of the distortion in the lower atmosphere when you get it towards, you know, your horizon. So, could be, could be seasonal. 
Well, keep reporting, Dolly. Yep. I will, but what I do know the difference between a root, the moon and the harvest moon. I know that. I'm in my world. I would not go and check tide maps or whatever they are. Um, I just go by what I see, what I feel. So uh, I hope that answers the questions. Well, but you I'll know, keep looking. I mean, if they're moving, if they're moving the the moon around, is it, I mean, it's certainly somebody's going to notice Dolly Howard and Russell. You know, somebody's going to mo- notice it. But last night, and I, those people on Facebook, and those other people, yes. Um, but yeah, I was okay. I was looking at Ancient Alien last night, and it was, I think the title had something to do with, you know, alert disclosure is about to happen and it was the normal crew talking about different disclosure events that have happened and one of the thing that that I want to point out is that they said that they had heard number it was brought up a couple times that um, it's not the American or the British or the Chinese governments that are saying we're not going to tell you about the secret space program and the ETs it's the ETs. The ETs do not believe that humanity is ready to hear about them. So the question was brought up in the show, actually, is, all right, you got Paul. Well, what's Paul's whole name there? Oh, I don't have it here. Paul, um, oh, damn, Hegerman or something like that. He's a Canadian minister. And he came out. I bet it was 10 years ago now, and said that the Canadian government was well aware of ETs and, in fact, was working with them, as was all the other world governments. And when he said it, well, my indication is, is that what, what he said was very true, but I thought, oh, my God, is this guy going to live? Well, he lived because nobody really paid any attention to it except the alternative people that, you know, do even though I can't remember his name, do hold him in high respect for having come out and said that. But the weird thing is, is that not too long ago, I mean, like, not too long ago, the head of the Israeli space program, I didn't even know they had a space program, but the head of it came out in an interview and said that the Israeli and all the other world governments are very familiar with the ETs. They've been working with them. And the hesitation in telling the rest of the world is because the ETs don't don't think that humanity is ready for it. So the question was, are these people that are coming out with positions of authority, although retiring or retired, um, are they part of a grand scheme to let's say, up the ante as far as confirming that there is this this, uh, secret space program? Because, I mean, it's been described just like I've said it before. You know, it's like a Star Trek universe. We're flying all over the place. And there's a lot of indication that this is true. Um, Our friend David Wilcock, he he did a lot of, you know, putting this out in front. So 
who, what do we know? Maybe by driving the, the changing the the travels of the moon that um, you would be make, making people aware of it. But the thing that kind of is very spooky about this is that the moon, without the moon there, we wouldn't be here as the beautiful planet we are. The The fact that the moon is there puts us in a celestial balance that allows for the planet to rotate at, 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 at in, in a way that will keep it always you know this perfect temperature in, in around the sphere i mean yes at the ends and you get hot, hot and cold and stuff but it, it's basically you know this wonderful little dance between the moon and the earth and i don't remember all the details but there's a whole slew of things that say that the people that presented this information said this has got to be artificial because the chances of a natural situation where the moon is exactly the right size to be able to control the tides to control the the way the weather moves all of that you know has to be planned out so if you start moving the moon around aren't you going to cause a lot of problems (laughs) i would think i'm throwing it out there to you guys what do you think (laughs) Well, as long as it, as long as your its distance is not it's you're not uh, moving away from the Earth, therefore changing the dynamics of the uh, of the orbit. As long as you're not changing its uh, tidal lock, then it should be okay because the the movement is tidal lock, meaning that its rotation around its axis is the same speed as its rotation around the Earth. That's why you always see the same face. And that's they can get away with so much activity on the far side because you can never see the far side. So that hasn't been changed. So if all they're doing is just changing the declination, the, you know, the, the, ang- the angle in reference to the equator, then you're not, you're not affecting the work of the moon because according to Alex Collier, yes, yes they, of course he knows it, it, the moon is a, is a construct. In fact, uh, he's he's the first I heard that it's even older than the Earth. That's how old it is. It was brought over, uh, but it was brought over because of again one of the uh, there's been so many wars in this solar system. Uh, one of the wars left the planet severely imbalanced, and they needed the moon to bring it back into balance. So that's that's why it's there. Uh, so as long as the the, the 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 dynamics of its orbit and its relationship to the Earth, as long as you're not changing that, uh, then this should be okay. Now, if you're going to be altering the orbit in such a way that it's completely outside of what it's doing in reference to the Earth, then you're getting in trouble. Because I agree with you. You know, the one of the big things about the Moon in reference to the Earth, it's the uh, effect on the on the tides. If you alter the distance of the moon to the Earth, whether closer or farther away, that's going to mess up, mess the tides, which is going to bring another, you know, kind of worms opening up. So as long as you're not changing that, uh, changing the angle of it, uh, I don't think it's that critical. It, it is critical in the sense that people will notice it, and people will say, "Hey, wait a minute, that isn't, that's not sitting there where it's supposed to be." Yeah, so probably Bob's idea of checking the tides might not show much of anything, if anything. 
because it could be wandering around in a given geometric way that it's not really affecting the tides at all. But it's affecting Dolly and Russell and a whole bunch of other people out there. I guess they want to see how awake people are if they're noticing <laughs> the location of the moon. Well, look at how long it's taken people to realize that there's a white moon, a sun. Oh, I mean, oh yeah. You know? They Don't never you questioned it. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so much... Well, I mean, the Mandela effect, you know, I mean, people out there who, you know, are confronted with the Mandela effect, it's like, well, it's got to be the way that I saw it, because I saw it just like Dolly is saying about, well, she she doesn't have to have anybody else, you know, tell her she's right. She sees it. She's looking at it. It's happening. It's real. And, you know, so... A lot of people just, you can show them these things and they'll just say, well, it must I must not have seen it right. What do you mean the grass is red? Oh, I always thought it was green. Damn, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. People are weird. People are definitely weird. So, Bob, with that information, do you, do you, do you think that the tides would still show it? Well, so, so the, the prediction of the height level of the tide for example, here on the Sacramento River is usually within inches of what it's at on it on any given basis. So you have a high and low tide twice a day. They're affected by the moon. We are affected by the moon. Um, I'm not suggesting that people aren't seeing things that seem different um, because where you stand on the planet, where the moon is in its orbit, uh, what's in the atmosphere is as far as uh, materials floating around will make a difference. Dust, sand, uh, you know, jet engine exhaust. Um, as you can see all these things. And, and definitely we, we as people are affected too. I've worked in a hospital. I've worked in a mental ward. Um, on any given full moon, it's much different in the hospital emergency room than it normally is. It's quite exciting. Um, but I've been a sailor. I've been a sailor for 40 years on San Francisco Bay. So I'd say that they can predict the tides within inches. And if your moon was out of alignment, as Walt said, enough, it leaves a, a corridor. So it's a, it has mass, and it's in a certain position. It's in a corridor. It's like taking a, uh, a donut and spinning it around on the end of a string over your head while you're walking to maintain your balance. Well, that's what the moon's doing. But it's it's going at different angles and we're going at different angles. And so as it gets close to us, it affects the tide. So if, if somebody was pushing it away, they would have a rogue tide. It would cause a difference in slack tides. It would cause a change, a noticeable change. Now, closer to the equator, maybe not as much, but I guarantee you anywhere else on the planet, yes, the average sailor would go something's up. But you know something, even if they were off, I doubt that anybody would report it. They'd say, oh, something must be wrong in the machines. We must have yeah. done something wrong. Because, right. you know, <laughs> not not oh, that they're yeah. trying to hide it, but because they themselves would not have any explanation except that it must be a technical error. <laughs> yeah, they could. you could hide the data somewhere, except that a lot of people on the planet know how to find the real data and they know where to get it especially the Canadians, when we talk about global warming, for example, the, the Canadians have been tracking temperature long before anybody else did in North America. They've been 
they've been doing it since they got to Montreal in sixteen sixty whatever, sixteen seventy whatever. They were measuring the evaporation rate in a pan to figure out the temperature and relative humidity and all that kind of stuff. So I think they would probably notice it. Um, but you know, if it was a one-time shot, the interesting thing about that, hey Walt, is that if it was a one-time push, like you could rubber band the moon from one place to another, uh, theoretically, maybe it could happen fast enough that you wouldn't notice the change. But everybody might notice like a uh, like an earthquake in their in their water state and in their weight state and in their mental state. Right. So a possibility. Ooh, that's another possibility that they're moving it around to, so that they can disrupt us or maybe make us better, right? Because the moon's having an effect on the human being too, you say? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, but. yeah, you, you've seen it. You just harken back to your days in the military bases and remember any full moon and all the guys coming out of the PX and how PO'd they seemed, you know? It wasn't I, I, the two beers. I work, worked in a nursing home. And we always knew when it was a, a, a full moon because the patients would, like patients that have been comatose for the whole year, all of a sudden will be walking around. I'll never forget this one. Her name was Rose. And I worked the night shift. I was at the desk. And all of a sudden, I detect, you know, somebody coming down the hall. So I go out there, and it's Rose. And I have never seen her awake at all. She was comatose, and I'd been working there for, I think, six months by that time. Never seen her up. Oh, and she looks at me and she says, I'm dying, aren't I? And I was so stunned. I said, yes, because I, I don't I don't lie. Yes. And she was like, huh, turned around and walked back to her room and I never saw her up again. And that was on a full moon. Yeah. Yeah. They, I- they always staff the hospital maternity wards with extra nurses and have more doctors on call when the full moon comes because uh, so many more babies are born on full moon. (laughs) I worked at the hospital too in the nursing office. I worked for the nurses, uh, the head of the nurses, and uh, we'd always have to staff extra people. And another thing I have to say about the moon uh, if the moon is situated so it never turns its back to us, somebody's controlling that. Um, if the moon is driving, well, when the moon drives around like Russell and I see, somebody's driving it, which means that there has to be te- technology inside that moon. And if they have this stuff going on, then they can program the tides to do anything they want to program to them to do. So they can program them to stay the same uh, on the cycle, uh, stay the same cycle all the time, no matter where the moon is situated. Just my thoughts. I'm done. Did you well, to- yeah, Yasmin, we haven't heard from you. <laughs> Well, I I haven't I noticed it, but it's not uh, too recent. But um, 
for a while, I'd say at least the past year or so, I noticed that the crescent moon, it's kind of, it's um, not in the same position that I'm used to seeing it. I've always seen it kind of as a crescent, like standing on its pointed edge, but now it's more like a smile. So, but um, as my husband reminds me, I took astrology or uh, astronomy. astronomy just like he did, but I don't remember as much as he did. <laughs> well, well, Yasmin's use of astronomy has been with our telescope and my use of astronomy without a sextant has been to uh, help me navigate San Francisco Bay for 40 years, you know, as a as a private sailor and as a commercial tugboat operator. Um, is it possible that the moon keeps its backside to us all the time as we travel? Yeah, it's, I, I assume it's possible. Um, it's possible that we really are spinning and that our our rotation every 90 minutes or whatever it happens to be is really making all this gravity, but it place sure seems like it's standing still to me. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's oddities in the universe. Uh, one of my favorites from astronomy is, you know, all the other stars are theoretically moving. We don't, we don't quite see them move because it would take billions and billions and billions of years is the theory for us to see it. But yet the North Star is the one that's standing still. So if there's a mechanical device in the universe, it's, but it's standing still. Is the now. North Star the one that we all spin around? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, but it's uh the North Star. It's the uh, the angular star now. But four thousand years ago, it was a totally different star. Right. It changes. Right. It changes because because we have we have the grace and the love and the luck to be able to see it in the position that it started out in. Um, Yasmin has a, a clock that I got from Greenwich um, in the United Kingdom. And I got it from uh, where, you know, they had that the telescope that never moved. And they just watched the stars move around it to figure out, you know, where we were in our position. And, and you know, there's, there's different ways of arriving at, at information. It's possible the moon, you know, it's sitting there looking at us and it's moving up and down and around us every, what is it, 27.76 days or something like that. Nothing's ever even, that's nature. Okay, Walt, you got something? Uh, uh, no, I was just going to ask Jasmine um, if there was any any other information because I responded to her email that she sent on uh, uh, the th the thing that she found out that near where she lives or about a mile where she lives is where they found a, uh, what was it a Native American graveyard or was it? That would be right. Um, that would be Maydew. Yeah. And you sent me the oh. map? Yeah. Oh, it was a Native American because in the article, uh -oh. it just said it was a ghost town. So my, my wife forgets that my mother grew up where we live. Oh, so you have more information than <laughs> me. <laughs> okay. so, no, but she said that we're not supposed to ask you that you don't like the subject because you want to sleep at night. 
Well, she thinks she thinks there's somebody else in the house with us, and I've acknowledged the idea that there might be somebody else in the house with us, but we're getting You're along. You're the one that brought it up to begin And I with. am the one that brought it up, but we're getting along just fine now, and they haven't stolen my ice cream, so I'm good. That's kind of where I draw the line, but um, the Maidu Indians, Maidu being our local group of Native American Indians, Native Americans, feather not dot, um, did indeed have a a uh, residence here uh, when Joel Parker Whitney came along with his gun and started to steal property and, and build his ranch empire. He pretty much told them that the Chinese needed the space and he kicked them off. Um, so I imagine there are probably a few grave sites around here. <laughs> well, so I... She found a ghost town, though. Yeah, well, it was mentioned in the article... Um, about that Lincoln Hills ghost. And so apparently there was a ghost town that they wiped out that was not too far from where we actually live. So I was thinking that maybe Bob's little guest mm -hmm. could have been related to somebody from the ghost town, but it sounds like there probably was a Native American burial ground here from oh. what you're saying. Oh yeah, oh yeah, there's no doubt. And if that person or entity um, who's been mentioned to being in this house is that I haven't found anything that leads me into that direction. I have not found anything that leads me anywhere as far as knowing background. All I know is that I'm obviously sharing the space. Okay, maybe you better say a little more about your visitor or companion. Um, so people listening to this specific show will know what you're talking about, please. Okay, so I have been home on two occasions in the last 30 days, um, expecting Yasmin to come home. And sorry, I was looking away to remember the exact events, but on both occasions, the dog and I heard somebody come through the door, come four or five steps into the house, drop their backpack on the ground. And it is at that point, if I haven't said anything, she would usually say hi. And I've heard, heard all of that and found no one to account for it. And the dog has been in the same boat. So this happened to us twice um, where we thought for sure she had walked through the door, no. Oh, she she being me. She being yeah, yeah. Yasmin. And then I got brushed up against. And then I heard for sure I heard what I thought was a backpack or a box hit the floor when she was home. She was asleep on the couch. Dog was at her feet, cat was at her feet. I was in our bedroom and I knew that somebody put a box on the floor. I know the sound of cardboard. Hidden carpet. We all know that sound. Not very heavy, but that's what it seemed. And so um, we've been on 30 days. Yeah, the last 30 days, I think it's tied in, is that we've been on a quest for an item for a project. And um, I think that this being is not a ghost. It's not a it's not a uh, accident. It's a, what I call a harbinger. It's a messenger. It's a it's a carrier, it's a, it's uh, information towards a goal. Maybe it's a delivery ghost telling me that I'm going to get my delivery or 
telling me that I'm an idiot. I don't know. But um, it seems to me that I that's what I feel after hearing that box hit the floor. And um, since then, because it's always bringing packages, right? Something. It's always bringing something. Yeah. And since the carpet incident, maybe seven, eight days, nothing. Oh, you could ask for some gold bullion. Well, I don't know. You know, we 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 have a couple of projects on the fire, and we need a couple of things. But you know, gold bullion, I I don't need. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, well, the, the thing in my reply simple, to so much easier. <laughs> in my reply to Jessamine's email, I said that, uh, for example, Dolly has confirmation from her posse about the uh, veil. The, the veil has been uh, pierced already. So, if the veil has been pierced already, the corollary that I see is that. Um, I don't care how many deals they've made, how many contracts they've made. I don't care what level of black magic they've used. But this is telling me that uh, this bodes bad for the cabal who uses magic and this kind of spiritual manipulation because this is indicating that uh, things are no wonder are, are blowing up at their face because now ent entities that have been tortured forever uh, are going to fight back. There is no no veil stopping them. And obvious that uh, the, how th how thin the veil is getting, that you have no problem getting this auditory confirmation of of these movement energy, because this is to me this is a confirmation of energy that's being moved around. It's just energy, not nothing physical for you to touch. Well, yeah, and energies right now have been like off the charts with us as well. I mean, I, I've been, I mean, we've been busy with all sorts of stuff and, you know, we're trying to get as much done in a day as we can, but a lot of times, you know, something will get hung up and I can't meet with someone or call someone like I plan to. And, you know, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to call and cancel. And like within minutes, they'll call me and say, oh, hey, something came up. I can't meet with you. And so it's even just communication lines between people I'm noticing. Well, are... it's it's been that way since COVID. <clears throat> we started calling people up and we were asking them for stuff and they were going, oh, we're closed. So then we stopped talking to them because they were closed for two weeks or four weeks. And then we started calling them up and they were open again, but they were open with a limited schedule and they weren't sure when they could give us something. And it and our kids haven't been in school and we haven't been in, into parties or concerts or yeah, art but, or but anything. But I was, I was talking more about how if something comes up and I have to cancel my plans, I don't have to initiate that. The person on the other side already knows and contacts me. Mm, yeah saying I have they have to cancel so yeah. and I've noticed that happening without with probably the last month month and a half so um yeah you know, that to me goes along with the veil being thin so, you, so you're uh, you're realizing your human design you're not supposed to be in an, an initiator you're not a you're not a manifester you're a generator that's oh, right you on know Right on cue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess that's what it is. 
Because, yeah, and even with the project with the guy we talked to, you know, we're like, okay, well, the ball's in our court. We need to figure this out. And then he came back with us to us with an idea. So, right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's almost like it feels weird because it's like I, I'm not doing much. <laughs> but, you know. You mean molding your reality is not good enough for you? It's it's wonderful. I, I <laughs> it's freed up a lot of time. <laughs> well, well, what the, if if anything, if there's a learning curve for you, is getting rid of the old programs. In the old reality, you're supposed to remember the programs that they 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 hammer into our head. Oh, you have to work hard in order to get things done, and you have to do this, and you have to do well. That's the old reality. That's their reality where they, you have to work like a horse to get anything done because, oh, you're not going to get anywhere unless you do. Well, I don't need to get anywhere. I just have to live my design and things will come to me. And being generator, both of you, be, uh, no, well, both of you being generators, life comes to you. That's why you have to be in that response state all the time because you have to respond to things that are going to be coming to you. Exactly. So why you know, do you need to go out chasing anything if, if things are coming to you? Yeah, I used to I used to believe, like you said, it was it was a matter of, oh, I'll just work hard, work hard, work hard. And and, and people think that when you say, well, I'm not going to work hard, that that means that you're going to give up or slack or not work. No, I'm going to work smarter or exactly. I'm going to work more committed towards a more focused goal, softer so that I totally absorb it. <clears throat> so when I finally put it to use, it's ready to go and, and I understand it because before I'd work hard, work hard, fail, 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 get PO'd and just walk away from the project. Yeah. If I couldn't master it, I didn't try it. Now I don't care. Now I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care, what, what's your project? Bring it on. I don't care. I'll do it. Yeah, your your job is to respond to it. So right as soon as I accepted <laughs> that, and it's like the ghost. I just accepted him, or or it. I just said, okay, there's a harbinger here. There's somebody delivering on me. I'm gonna accept it. And and here's the thing: if you're gonna stick in the house, you got to become part of our plan to move ahead. Because if you're on our plan to move behind, we don't need you in the house right now. <laughs> and so far, everything's been pretty cool. Yeah. And that and that's the beauty of your space, like uh, like we, like the in the books, the uh, ringing cedars of, of Russia. When when you buy, when you like, you have a, a piece of property, whatever it is, that's your domain, and in your domain, it's your rules, not somebody else's rules. That's why your your energy, your space is going to be radically different from the, the energy in anybody else's space. Your next door neighbor, the neighbor across the way, you go to their house, it completely feels different. Is that even, and one of the things I guess you, as time passes, you, you'll see them more and more. Uh, one of the, the things that are part, uh, unique to you, the two of you, is the elementals in the house. There's many people, you find them when they, when they for example, when uh you have a family where all the children grew up in a house and one of the two either the man or the woman you know they end up being widowed and they say oh this house is too big i can't live by myself here it's too big too much work 
and they end up buying a smaller place and they completely miss it because that was their home and they totally miss it. Well, it turns out that all they needed to do is to bring their uh, elementals across. All the elementals that uh, existed in support of that old house, they're just energy beings and they just needed to be brought over. Uh, that lady that uh, was a, a client of this, of this man, Frank Jordan, uh, she moved into this one bedroom apartment and once he gave her instructions to tell, you know, just bring over your elementals. The next day, she felt that it was, she was back at home. She she ended up not missing the house at all, even though the geographical location is different, the size is different, but to, it feels exactly like home. Because that's, that's, that's all it is. You're bringing the elementals with you. So whatever you have, you guys, you have, if there's anything there that you miss from where you live, used to live, just call them, call them and bring them to you. They exist to support you. And that's one of the, the things of having your own domain. Hey, Walt. Yeah. When, okay, so I don't know if other people have this, but when I leave and I, I leave the house for, I mean, I don't, I like to be back at the house in, in five days, but I'll do six days. But five days it happens, and six days it's even... You know, yes, of course it happens if it happened on the fifth day. But when I come home, I don't feel like it's home. Mm. When I walk in the door, it's like, what's wrong? You know, it's this feeling of this isn't home. And yet within a matter of minutes, it feels like home again. Is it because those elementals actually leave with they, me? They follow you. Exactly. They with me, right? Exactly. That's that's why the place changed because they weren't there anymore. That's astounding. That's ast because I've always wondered about that. I'm like, <laughs> I've only been gone five days. Why does this feel so different? Like empty. And then yeah. you know they're probably behind me. So I walk into the house. They walk in behind me. I turn around and I go, oh, okay. <laughs> that's why the. <laughs> that's why when you look at the Eastern cultures like the Koreans, the Chinese. That's why they are so involved when they moved into a new house, whether it be a big palace or a tiny little apartment, they have uh, they they have the rituals to bless and and to initiate living in this house. They have talismans that they because they're totally aware of all these energies. You know, the the unseen is more real than the, than that than that which is seen. So they're they're totally aware. It's here in the West. People are so asleep; they're not aware of uh, the energies uh, in in a, in, a, in the place where they're living. I mean, uh, other people are so used to moving around constantly. They don't. You remember your old partner? She never spent more than a year in one, any one given place. So it's not like she would set that. She was. Uh, <laughs> She would set down roots anywhere in particular. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, every year, another place. Yeah. And, and just to be, just to make the, a business partner. She wasn't my life partner. She was my yeah. business partner, and and it was just bizarre to me. And she had a daughter and everything. And it was like, how? Why can't you just settle in? Because every place was absolutely the best place I've ever lived in until it wasn't, and then it was the worst place. Mm. And it all within within a year. I mean, good lord, that would. Be nuts. I've been here thirty six years, and I have. Well, now you know why 
she moved around. Yeah. You know, Bob's mother was the same way. She moved. It seemed like she moved every single year. We moved 18 times before I hit high school. Oh, God. And I actually lived in one house in that stretch for three years. So think about how many times I moved in one year. (laughs) Wow. Were they gypsies? And without sometimes. Were they gypsies? You live in an RV? I mean, how could possibly... No, no, and they weren't in the military, and they weren't in government. They were in communications and broadcasting, and that's then in real estate. So was it their jobs, or was it just they were kind of crazy people? (laughs) I I think she's... His mom is a little bit cuckoo, because it... Yeah... It, it was almost like she would move to a place. It, it was fine for a while, and then she would get this itch, and she couldn't stand it there anymore. Sounds like she's running away from herself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what you, need to do, what you need to do is you need to get her in a room that's got two walls facing each other with mirrors on them and you have her stand so that she can see that effect you get when you see the mirror and the mirror and the mirror and it keeps going deeper and deeper you you ever done this you know what i'm talking about yeah okay and then if you've got something between her and the the mirror she's looking into and then say okay I want you to walk around this thing and stand in front of the mirror. And when you do that, the only thing you see is yourself. And it's it's a perspective thing. It's like if you if you can't stand in front of a mirror and look at yourself, then your whole life becomes it's these you know mirages of images, 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 images and you can't ever figure out where you're at or who you are. I know this because that happened to me when I was in college. And I never forgot it. And I know that it was a transforming perception change in me. It was like, wow. Because you, when you're looking at this and you're seeing the duplication of these, you know, the mirror into the mirror into the mirror, you, you, you get, I had this overwhelming idea that, wow, all I have to do is walk through there and I can, you know, go someplace. And it was like, no, the only thing there was myself when I got to the mirror. Might might sound a little less esoteric here, but <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because we have two mirrors facing yes, we do. each other in the bedroom, and I think we always feel really nice in that room, right? I feel very protected in that room, and I am very careful not to get trapped in the parallax trap of the mirrors. Good for you. But if you do it, 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 you know, you can learn a lot about yourself, apparently. And, and right now we're, we're studying karate out here. So I've removed vehicles from the garage and I'm currently Zen coding the garage and I'm putting mirrors up so that Yasmin can practice her karate stances. And it's different because we've, you know, you've learned to actually look at it, and now you're working on your posture, which is something I haven't worked on since I was 18. I mean, I've been married 20 years. When was the last time I thought about my posture? 
His posture's <laughs> always been pretty good because he's this tough sailor dude. <laughs> I'm shrinking. So, um, <clears throat> what else is happening? What 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 have you guys been into? Well, uh, I post. Oh, oh. sorry. What? Sorry. What? Go ahead, Dolly. What? This will be quick. I I posted in the chat room for the peoples uh, an email that I got today from Deanna, and it's about um, Mike. Adams did an article slash podcast uh, on analyzed samples he got from an embalmer. So it's saying that the blood clots that they say you get after after the poison shots are, are not blood clots, that they are a bunch of metallic type things. Uh, so I thought I'd share it with everybody. So I posted into the chat room and I just wanted to share it with y'all. I'm done. Yeah, on, on that note, I had an interesting conversation this week. Um, yesterday, we had our uh company team building event for the financing department the finance department and uh, I, I walked up to um, our director of finance and I, I know you know his stance on the whole vaccine thing and I just said well hey because we've actually had to wear our masks because we've been having outbreaks in the office of people getting COVID and once we hit three or more people that catch COVID, then everyone in the office has to ma- mask up. And so I I said to him, I was like, well, with uh, the CDC basically falling from grace this week and um, everything going on with that, um, are we still gonna be following these guidelines? I mean, they basically admitted everything what are the what are the up. symptoms? What are the systems, uh, symptoms being exposed for people to say, "Oh, I have COVID," or for anybody to say they have COVID? What do they have? Specific set of symptoms? Flu flu like symptoms, and then you have to test. And so, anybody who has a positive test, if we get three or more within, I think it's like a seven day period then um, we're basically on mask lockdown again. But um, but there aren't any, all the, all the testing is, uh, all the test materials, they're positive before they touch a human being, so they're not reliable. That doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I mean, you're, you're looking at a company that's basically just trying to cover their ass. Oh, God. And they don't want to get sued. Um, okay, right now, from this is NPR's summation of what was said about, you know, oh, gee, sorry, we screwed up. Well, no, we screwed up. They didn't even say they were sorry. And the new COVID-19 guidance from the CDC focuses on 
individual decisions. <clears throat> now, let me just go up here for a second because the date on this is August 12th, okay? And it says, those exposed to the virus are no longer required to quarantine. Unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. <laughs> That's just so stupid. Okay, it's, you're, you're lying to the vaccinated people, but we've got the, if you're unvaccinated, you now have the same guidance. Okay, so we're, I mean, this stuff really doesn't make any sense. Okay, students can stay in class after being exposed to the virus. And the last one, it's no longer recommended to screen those without symptoms. So that's what they said. And then, and they also said, oh, well, the vaccinations didn't work. Oh, oh yeah, the social distancing didn't work. And um, the isolation didn't work. So nothing worked. And we're so sorry that we're going to reorganize and we're going to make ourselves even more centralized so that we have more control. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> well, yeah. And then in the meantime, you know, we have a friend of ours who I guess he, I mean, he's kind of a, very, uh, how would you describe Brant? Uh, he's a very high-strung individual oh and very stressed out constantly. And, you know, he had had three, I think it was three open-heart heart surgeries surgery. before the age of 30. And, you know, with that medical history, he still decided to get the shot. And then just this week, right. I guess he got... Um, he got into an argument or something, or he got excited about something. And so he was walking to his brand new employer's office, um, and right in the parking lot, he collapsed right on the spot. And he's still alive, but he had to go to the ER. And then I was talking to my my boss, the director of finance, and I told him that story and he shared with me another story of um, a friend friend that he and his wife know that's a nurse uh, had somebody come in for their booster and within five minutes just collapsed down dead on the spot. Um, so, you know, the, I guess... I think they had the booster, otherwise. <laughs> well, yeah, I... So, you know, it's happening. Pe people are dying, but it, it's not it's not being reported at all. And, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, oh, we're in a blue state. You know, we're we're probably OK. We're probably not getting the really bad shots. But, um, yeah, apparently that's no guarantee either. So, uh, yeah. Just kind of an interesting week and then just kind of noticing that, um, you know, we're seeing less people out and about, um, you know, the the labor shortage, you know, all these all these little signs, you know, it's like, can we finally be honest and disclose what's really happening here? Because 
there's a lot of people missing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I guess it's all part of the disclosure. Well, do you think that that's simply because a lot of people aren't driving because of the price of gas and the inflation? No. Well, no, because the gas prices didn't really deter too many people out here because you, I mean, you still have to go to your job. Um, And on top of that, the, yeah, but on top of that, the gas prices actually did come just a touch down recently, about a dollar, a dollar a gallon down. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't think it's entirely explainable by the gas. Where, where are they hiding the bodies? Because there must be a waiting list, a waiting line at the cemetery. Well, I, you know, I know we're going to go to break here momentarily, but um, part of the things could be, too, that people were when they were home with COVID or they had crazy rules uh, because of COVID at their jobs and one of them would have to stay home, somebody might have finally said, you know what, our school system sucks, I'll just raise the kids and you go to work. So it's quite possible that we had spouses drop out of the working world to maintain some sort of household and with the gas prices going crazy and, and Uncle Joe's plan, I could see that maybe they just stayed there. Um, we even had a lot of people trade jobs because uh, older individuals retired or got sick or got COVID and left their jobs and made some openings. And so we've had a, a, a run up on jobs where people have moved up because there's more money available and it's opened lower positions that we'd hope people were going to. But I can tell you in this uh, government area that I work in, uh, we've arranged for 20 interviews and had seven people show up with two people actually be qualified and ended up maybe hiring one and then uh, lose that one to another job one out of 12 times before they showed up for their first day of work at that government job with benefits. Yeah, and my job has had the same problem where we, we can't seem to retain people. We've had people quit like within a day of being on the job because they found something better. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely a labor issue going on it's an employee's market oh yeah. oh yeah you can i mean if you need a job now is the time <laughs> so go out, <laughs> you can write your own offer letter <laughs> yeah i'm not into this i'm not into this world where somebody says you owe me a job you owe me a house you owe me an education you owe me this you owe me that no we owe you nothing but you can get a job and then you can go to school and and learn another trade and become more valuable at your job or do what I did, learn to manage, learn to learn security and safety rules and apply those in a daily atmosphere. But um, right now, if you can speak English and flip hamburgers in the city of Sacramento, you can make $22 an hour. And that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, for a fast food job, that's I won't be good. able to get any hamburgers because they're costing 14 bucks, but you can still flip them for 22. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're going to take that break. Disturbance, because Dolly likes it. And welcome back to the Say What Show. It's August 20th, 2022. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard, Walt Silva, 
Yasmin and Bob West. And, um, you know, this this thing we were talking about with uh, not having the right kind of uh, help in a place. I went to the post office the other day, Monday, last Monday. And it's a small post office, just a local post office. But it happens to be in an area that has a heavy population of black and Hispanics. So when I say I go into this post office, I'm the only white person in there. Okay. Now, which I didn't notice except for this last episode I had there. Um, So I get there and there's only one person outside the door. They're having the distancing thing. You can only have five people inside the, the door thing. And after about 15 minutes, I said, um, have you been standing here at least 15 minutes? And he's a black man. And he's like, you know, just shakes his head. Yes. You know, and by now people are coming in behind me and I noticed something. You know, I used to say that uh, a bank was like a cathedral because when people were in line, they didn't talk to one another. Well, it was the same thing in the post office. I'm pretty Gabby. I talk to people all the time. But everybody was very silent. And, you know, when they opened up the door and they came in, they held the door so it wouldn't make any noise. It's kind of spooked me out. So this girl comes in and she happened to be black. And she goes to the right through the door and, you know, starts talking to the to the person at, at the counter. Now, the problem here is there's only one person working at this post office, only one. I don't even know if there was anybody in the back, but you got one person and she says something and then the woman says something back to her. So then she gets in line, but she's cut in front of everybody else. Now she's inside the the door. Right. And I said, did she just cut ahead of us? And somebody in the back of the line says, oh, she was just going to drop something off. I said, well, it looks to me like she's cut in front of us. So I <clears throat> stood there for another couple minutes and I said, nope, <clears throat> I don't feel good about this. I opened up the door and I said, you do realize that you cut in front of us. Oh, but I need a receipt thing. I said, and some people only need stamps, but you cut in front of us. And I turned around and walked back to my place in line and she came out and, you know, she did come out though and went to the back of the line. So then finally somebody walks out of this thing about 20 minutes after I've been there. And it's... <laughs> this black girl and she was like put had her head down and she's very sheepish sheepish and she said sorry sorry so it was one person for 15 minutes with the one clerk that caused everybody to back up outside right so then finally i get in there and there's this kid and he and the girl is so i mean god bless this girl she had so much patience with him but it was like you got to take this out. You can't send this internationally. <clears throat> you can't go in this mail. You got to do this. You got to do that. Here's the bat packaging. So another 15 minutes goes by while she's helping this this kid, right? So then he goes and he does all this stuff, and he's still in front of me, and he gets back in the line, gets goes over to her again, and she says, "Okay, all right. What you don't have the this is this is not the right uh, zip code. This is not." She's, and finally she stops and she looks at it and she goes, this is a telephone number. Now, what it was, was that you've got two million people who have come to our country over the border. 
who are now trying to be integrated into our society. And yes, I'm in an area where a lot of them came. And they don't have the fundamental understanding of what a zip code is. All right, this is something that is permeating our our entire communities, wherever this is happening. And God, I bet it's happening down your the end of your street and you don't know it yet. That's two million people. It's bigger than the Manhattan, the population in Manhattan. It's a big country, but my goodness, you've got all these people, you know, and I sympathize with them, but this is an invasion. And I'll come right out and say it's an invasion because who's going to support all these people? You just had two people that looked like they had just come across the border that just spent 30 minutes because the people on the other side of the desk are filling out their paperwork instead of them doing it because they don't even know it. They can't speak English. You know, we, we've got a problem here. But I wondered, you know, after, after watching all of this stuff, I wondered, okay, I got seven people behind me. I'm the only white person. I didn't even think about that at the time. I was not even on my radar. I'm so used to seeing black people, a white person stuns me, kind of scares me. <laughs> so, but I don't even think about it until after the fact. And I said, okay, so you got all these people, different ages, you know, and you got this little old white lady that's getting up in age. And she does the one thing that nobody should have done. <gasps> you you told somebody to go to the back of the line. <gasps> I just wondered, is that one episode in their life, is that going to make a difference? Well, but, pro- probably not, but it's important <laughs> that we say something. Uh, Bob's going to... I would like to do a movie <laughs> review for a movie called Blast from the Past. This movie was uh, Brendan Fraser, Christopher Walken, and uh, Alicia, Alicia Silverstone, Silverstone, and had a gentleman in the movie whose name I cannot remember, but Yasmin could look it up really quick, who uh, is a pretty famous character actor, and he's talking about Brendan Fraser. He's talking to him about why is Brendan Fraser so kind? Why is he so considerate? Why is it that he talks and asks others how they're doing and uses their names when that sounds so condescending that he does that? And the other actor whose name I'm trying to remember in the movie, his name is Dave Foley, um, says he learned those manners from his parents. Imagine that. We all thought that he was talking down to us when he was really just trying to put us at ease. And what's happened is that we've focused on all these other weirdnesses through the Internet era and before the Internet era, probably from the 70s, 80s, Madonna. And our kids stopped learning all the things that the 50s kind of taught us that it'd be nice to have. Doesn't mean you have to use them. They're not condescending. To be They're simply to be courteous to each other and to... As Bill and Ted once said in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, an excellent movie, be excellent to each other. Well, yeah, and what I think in the movie. And don't be afraid of and don't be afraid of other people. Right. And so when you see something, you know, I, I get to an intersection in California and I go, this is going to be interesting because I wonder what the four drivers are going to do when it used to be. I would say it goes in a circle, goes in a circle, goes in a circle. And, and when we all go in a circle and play along. 
we don't need to worry about what hassles the other person has because they're maneuvering with us. You know, two people get to a door, they're going in different directions. You can still get through the door without killing each other. We could do, you could both open the door, laugh about it, say nice things and go merrily about your business. Or one could open the door, but when two people stand there and they don't open the door because they're worried about the person on the other side, they've created this new communication blockage, which is what we have now. Yeah, it's friggin' nuts. And, and everybody out there, you know, just go back to the way you were. You know, go back to the way you were. Forget this stuff. Because, you know, and it's becoming more and more obvious that all of this craziness is being carried out by less than 13% of the population. So we're being bullied. We're being bullied into not being who we authentically are. And if somebody pisses you off, well, let them know. Don't attack them. Just say, you know, you just cut in front of us. You know, but at the same time, I did. I didn't get perturbed at the person, these two people that were, you know, taking up all this time. I'm not. I'm not. I am a nice person. I understand these things, and I could admire the clerk because she was being so. Uh, first off, I'd have lost my mind if I was in her position. But you know, she was so. So you can see the niceness, but at the same time, you can stand up for yourself. Now, I've got this this peeve lately of watching these videos that people take about some old person getting the heck kicked out of them by a bunch of teenagers. And so they take a video and I keep asking the question, who called 911? Who grabbed the two by four and said, I'm going to beat up on the teenagers and maybe I'll save that poor old lady's life. You know, we, uh, we have to stop taking pictures and we have to go back to another one of my favorite phrases, I think sometimes. And you did it. You did it in line and you you took a big risk. I mean, somebody could have had a gun and been pissed off that day, but you did it. It's called engagement. And there's a way to, to engage people in a positive manner and stop a negative situation. And there are other times where I can tell you where you just don't do anything. You just observe and hope nobody gets hurt. And then when it's over, go, geez, I hope that doesn't happen again. Because well, I think yeah, I agree with you. There there are situations like, I, I said this once on a radio show. I said, look, if I was walking down a back alley in New York and I saw somebody getting mugged by somebody that's twice my size, I am not going to interfere. Why? Right. Because I'm going to end up dead. Right. And right. That's, not my, that's not my karma. That is not my contract. What I will do is engage spiritual assistance and say, Please, Jen, <laughs> take that person and make them safe. You know, I will do it from that angle. But you do have to have a sense of which, which, where are you walking? Because I see right. some of my friends who walk in an aggressive way. You know, they got big hearts. They talk about love. But they're also, don't push me. You know, and you don't have to be like that. It's like if we can just understand that there is a way of going through life where your energy field is actually changing other people's energies fields. See, Yasmin, I disagree with you totally because you're in a confined area and you've got somebody like me wearing a lot of shungite, carrying a lot of energy, who just is friendly 
and talking to people. When that woman walked out after the 15 minutes, I applauded her. <laughs> I said, there you go. You did it, you know. I wasn't angry with her. It's like, but I'm trying to engage the people in the room. And regardless of if I'd said anything, the very fact that I was there was changing them energetically. So there are ways that we can be in control of our, and situationally aware. There's sometimes you don't put your nose into it because you're going to get a broken nose. So, So with that, I have a question for Dolly and then maybe Walt can jump in. So when we talk about being energy workers and I talk about Yasmin's energy in the world of our human design and that I'm able to borrow her. So I can, I can literally like a tugboat captain, I can get up next to her, I can grab her energy and I can push it along with me to get a job done because I'm a reasonably good operator. And I'm wondering, Dolly, if you I noticed... don't enjoy it when you do that, by the way. <laughs> she doesn't enjoy it, but I can do it. So the, the question becomes, can we use, have you ever used those energies, those entities that discuss things with you in a positive way, grabbing their energies and manipulating them along? I mean, I don't know if you've been doing, you know, a choir of old man river or something like that, but. But how do you, how, uh, can you give an example first of, rule, okay. of doing that? Okay. Uh, what, give an example of, of grabbing Yasmin's energy? <laughs> oh, boy. D don't piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I can tell you right now that, that when you talk about energies, um, foods, music, uh, colors, time of day, uh, seasons, all have different energies with them. And so if, if a person absorbs these kind of feelings and energies, like they're into waterfalls or they're into unicorns or they're into jazz music, you can set up a work schedule that makes these things kind of fill into those voids and they don't actually notice that they're working. And so what happens is their energy level starts to increase productivity into the job that you had planned out the whole time. Does that make sense? Do you, do you want me to answer your question? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. First rule in uh, psychic worlds, uh, which which is take, taking and using someone's energy, you have have to have their permission first. If they do not give you permission, then you are an energy vampire, not a nice person. <clears throat> and that. <laughs> I learned this when I went to that school. Um, so I would say to you, Yasmin does not feel comfortable with you doing it. Has she given you permission? You need to ask that of her. And uh, if she hasn't, then if you take her energy, you're a freaking vampire, energy vampire. So uh, if you want to follow the rules there and be polite, that's that's the answer to that question. And I, Dolly, My I'm fully aware of when he's doing this to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I call oh, yeah, him out be. on it. Yeah, yeah. 
no, but my question to you was, have you ever engaged the uh, the entities that you've been communicating with to help you on a project? Have you ever asked them to help you? I'm not talking about stealing their energy. I'm, I'm actually talking about asking, since you have a communication yes, that you, you yes. might be able to uh, positively use their energies if they gave you permission. I ask, I don't use their energies, no. Oh, okay. I ask them to help me with my project. And if they can't, it, to help me in any way they can, if that means that they send a person to me or send me to a person or I get uh, uh, energies coming from somewhere, I don't know where, but I can, those energies help me to do the project, fine. But uh, I don't use their energies. I send, I use what they send me, what they provide to me. Um <clears throat> and another thing I wanted to comment on, on uh, polite stuff. When I get in the elevator, I usually look around. People don't want to touch people. You get in the elevator, you stand with your arms real close to your body. And you're stiff as a board. And you don't turn your head in any direction. You keep your eyes straight ahead because you can't touch anyone else. You can't talk to anyone else. It's it's all very uncomfortable ride. So I get in there, and the first thing I do is I look around at everybody, and I'm real relaxed, and I put my hands up, and I say, I hope this elevator does not stop, because I am very claustrophobic. And if there's a doctor in here, that's a good thing. If we're all on our own, y'all are going to have to help me get through this situation. What do you think of that? And that loosens everybody up and they start talking. And by as they're getting off, they're saying, oh, bye, bye, bye. Maybe we'll see you again. So um, I like to interact with people no matter what situation. But that one is one where you are in a box with these people. And I would prefer to get along with them rather than stand stiff like a like a stiff being <clears throat> and by the time you get off these people have become kind of friends that, that you interact with maybe one time in your whole life but you realize you can be friends with strangers and I wanted to share that um, I hope that I answered your question the way you <clears throat> for what you were looking for, Bob. Yeah, I, th I think so. I think it answered it pretty close. Yeah. Okay. He, what happens with Don't the me. whole energy stealing thing that he's referring to is he'll get up in the morning on a weekend. He has a whole laundry list of things he wants to accomplish. I have a whole laundry list of things I want to accomplish, yet somehow he's able to divert me to work on his projects and help him. And <laughs> sometimes I get quite irritated by it, and I'll, but I'll call him out. <laughs> Isn't that called uh, opportunism, when someone is an opportunist? 
opportunism. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you do it in a... I don't know if I'd call it opportunism. You don't mean much by it because whatever you're working on ultimately benefits me, but it might not necessarily be what I wanted to work on at that particular moment. For those of you technically minded listening at home, you should probably know that Yasmin's desk last week got a new shelf added to it. So her monitors and her computer and her mixer and her brand new silver and red microphone for podcasting are all actually not on her desk anymore. And she just got back almost four and a half square feet. I only bring this up because yes, I steal her, but mind you all last weekend, all I worked on was her office. True, but I still have things no to get done. But she didn't get anything done because she didn't have her computer. She didn't have her chair. She didn't have a plug. She had nothing for like a day and a half. So if Jasmine, uh, you have to you get a You don't medal. ask permission. You still are a vampire, energy <laughs> vampire. You have to have person's permission. Oh, I had permission to do the desk. <laughs> of whether, oh, I'm doing this for her. Well, I you got to get her permission. Yeah, I did the desk and I put a new GPU in the computer and I, you know, I took all the stuff down and I cleaned it and waxed it and put it all back up. I'm so sorry, where's your medal? You just- Where, where's uh, Bob's medal? Yeah, no, I don't get one of those. <laughs> appreciative, appreciative wife, that's it. That's it. I am appreciative. <laughs> well, uh, sorry to give away uh, Bob's secrets, but with that uh, open uh, Esplanade Center, he better be a good, uh, good husband. Do <laughs> that work for your wife. <laughs> Okay, there's something I want to um, cover <clears throat> because I think it's incredibly important that we really get a handle on this. It's about the it's about the virus, okay? And one of the things that com- I found uh, confusing was that right from the beginning in 2020, you had some people that saying there is no such thing as a virus. It's the result of a cell dying and that you get the skeletal system of it. There were people saying that that there was no isolation of the virus. And yet you got the uh, testing uh, testing system that supposedly is dependent on the virus. So it's back and forth and back and forth. And, and finally... Um, trying to think of what his name was this one doctor got on judy mekovich's uh case and about isolating the virus because she was claiming the virus was isolated and he kept going after her and it got to be a heated uh exchange between the two of them and it turns out and judy mekovich is one of the people that i have the most admiration for and that's why i couldn't quite abandon completely well maybe there is a virus i don't know but the, there was a lot more documentation, and it made more sense to me that, no, it's not a virus that doesn't exist. So when I saw this exchange with Mikovich being forced to say, well, yes, we have isolated it as it comes out of the cell. That's not, uh, not isolation, he kept saying to her. And then they got into a, a really heated discussion about the definition of isolation. But right then and there, I knew there is no virus. So 
this is an article from um, the Good Citizen, and it's a Substack it's a, a studio station, and it's the the title of it. Where's the virus? And I just want to go through this because we need to be able to get it straight in our heads that there was no is no virus. The very foundation of all the lies that are promulgated because of the fact that they told us there was a virus, all of it is bullshit. But the main bullshit is the fact that there was ever a virus to begin with. Okay, so I just want to read you this. And again, somebody else could come along with something else and probably dispute this. But to me, this is a real good rundown of how I'm seeing it. No virus was ever isolated, period. No virus exists, period. Two, no publication would accept. Oh, I forgot to tell you who this person is. This person, right, this is because this is why it's so important. This is a virologist, and her name is Purnima Waugh. And she has two PhDs in virology and immunology, plus a 20 year career as a lab researcher. Two PhDs in the very subject we're talking about in a 20-year career as a lab researcher. Okay, she became part of a research team paid $1.5 million by the National Institute of Health to isolate the COVID-2 virus. And this is what she, she claims, okay? No virus was ever isolated, no virus exists. No publication would accept their findings for peer review that says no virus exists or has ever been isolated. The in silico genomic, gen, genomic sequence virus from the so-called patient zero in Wuhan was computer generated, computer generated, with only 40 base pairs compared to 30,000 to 40,000 for a real virus. Only 40 base pairs compared to 30 to 40,000. They requested, this group of hers, the CDC send them one sample of the virus, but the CDC said they didn't have any. When they spoke out about their findings, the FBI raided their lab in April of 2021. There was a global coordinated effort, governments and international organizations and media, to orchestrate the real pandemic, which was fear, so they can proceed with their real agenda, which is depopulation. Colds, cases of flu, cases of pneumonia were counted as positive COVID cases and death. False positive, positives of cancer and other deaths were counted as COVID deaths. <clears throat> this is the one that, you know, yeah, I was right again. 5G rollout is the single most likely explanation for the collection of symptoms known as COVID-19 happening in certain cities during that 2020 timeline and continuing today. 130,000 5G towers went operational in Wuhan at the time of the outbreak. Deaths were intentionally inflated or people were intentionally killed with drugs and deadly procedures to create panic in his, in, and hysteria. There's a video attached to this and I'll put the uh, link in, in, in the uh, description area, in the show notes. So I just wanted to, to bring this out to people because to me this is the, the critical thing is that 
there never was. There never was a COVID-19 pandemic. We said in the beginning, you know, how are they going to cover up that 5G damage when they turn it on? They had COVID-19 in the, in, the, in the background. Oh, yeah, let's do this. So, you know, j- just things to put in your head so that the next time, because as, as Ani Avedisian said today on, on the replay of her Wednesday show, she's getting more people coming to her asking her what my friends and my family are starting to wake up. What books do I, how do I explain it to them? Where do I tell them to go to, to find this stuff up? And she's got a recommendation, and um, I'll, I'll put that link too. It's a series of books that she recommends that you give or tell people to get that are really starting to wake up. And it's 10 books, and you look at it, there's a description about what they are and stuff. But I think it was interesting. She said that these were the basic one-on-one books to get people to realize the um, impact of taking the taking the red pill, going down that rabbit hole. You know, here, this is going to give you the foundation. And I found it interesting that um, very little of it was metaphysical. Much of it was, uh, you know, the concept of the economy and the control and the... Uh, it's just a good list and probably for everybody else out there that hasn't read those books to, you know, get a primer on, you know, how do we, how do we, because now people are waking up and what do we tell them? Yeah, Nancy, I, I noticed one of the books on her list. I actually have the real Anthony Fauci by Robert Kennedy. And, um, just, I, I was blown away when I actually received the book initially. I mean, the ha- of each chapter, half of the pages are dedicated all to sources. So he did a tremendous amount of work to support everything he claims in um, that book. So it's something that people should take seriously. Um, and, you know, it, it talks about, it kind of pulls back the curtain as far as what happened kind of, um, in the hospitals is everybody i mean in confusion you could you can do anything right because nobody really knows what's going on and um you know it it kind of shows how they were treating people with that remdesivir which was a proven failed drug It, it was very very dangerous but um there was big money behind it for certain individuals and that's why they used it. There was big money involved for the use of the ventilators. Um, There was big money involved to not come up with an actual cure um, so that they could later roll out the vaccines and make money on the vaccines as opposed to um, something that could actually save lives. And it's I mean, it's kind of horrific to read exactly what happened and how it was rolled out. Um, It's just horrific to think. The good news is that book has been widely read. It's probably the number one book in the world right now. Yeah, but it's, it's not on the New York Times or any of that stuff. It's just, you know, people are 
people are waking up. Yeah. But, you know, the average person doesn't believe that there's individuals out there that could be capable of doing stuff like this. And I know it's hard to see that, but, you know, you you gotta... <laughs> I mean, it, it could mean the difference between your life and death at this point, the way things are happening. So we, we need to inform ourselves, you know. You sent you sent us a link uh, with uh, Senator Ron Johnson. Yeah, that was an interview uh, with Del Bigtree, who I I've been following off and on for the past couple years. And you know, Del, he's been spot on from day one of this pandemic. He he knew, and it's because of his prior work with vaccines um, years before you know COVID. He had been tracking down the link to autism from the vaccination schedules. And, you know, when you or even when I was born, you know, I didn't receive, you know, more than a couple vaccines when I was born. But, you know, as the vaccination schedule increased, then they um, removed the liability for vaccines from the drug companies. And then when that happened, the vaccine schedule exploded, you know, to the point where, you know, kids that were born in the 90s receiving like 50 vaccines, like before the age of one or two. I mean, that's just insane. And then- Obscene, it's obscene. Yeah. And then, so he had been tracking all this and he, um, he was actually working in mainstream media and had to leave. And he started his own broadcasting company because he couldn't he couldn't push the agenda anymore in good conscience. And so I, I have to applaud him for doing that. And he's now with his company. He's also hired um, legal teams to put pressure on fighting some of this stuff that came through with the uh, with the COVID lockdowns and all that. I mean, and, and I donate what I can to his channel because, you know, I want to put intention and energy towards that. I believe it's important for everyone. Um, and he definitely has a voice and is making a difference. Um, and so he talked about on this last episode that I shared with you, he talked more about the political side of it and what was happening behind the scenes in the White House as this pandemic was being rolled out. And, you know, in the beginning, nobody knew anything. Um, It just sounded like this big, scary bug (laughs) that was coming coming to a country near you. So, I think it was suggested to Donald Trump that, um, because, you know, Donald Trump wasn't versed in medical things. Um, So it was suggested to him that he bring Anthony Fauci onto his team to kind of be the spokesperson for this and take charge. And from that point on, um, well, we saw what happened. And I, I think Fauci kind of took the stage and pushed his own agenda to benefit himself. So, but it, you but know, what he, I, 
He does what a good I, job of explaining it better than that. What I found so interesting was it was um, the senator uh, that was talking and presenting what it was like to be a senator who Ron Johnson is a very open-minded kind of guy. He got into politics up from the Tea Party. And to see him, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm a U.S. senator. I can call anybody in front of me, but, you know, I basically can't, can't keep them from lying. But the most important part of it was, was that he brought in all these doctors. I, I mean, there was a half a dozen doctors who, before it got really bad, still talking 2020, who said, look at the, you, you, and, and there's a whole list of ivermectin and hydrochloroquine and vitamin D and uh, antibiotics. There's a whole bunch of things that could have prevented thousands, hundreds of thousands of deaths if they had just gone with therapeutics. But, of course, you go with therapeutics, you can't get the emergency authorization for the vaccine. And, of course, the vaccine is what they wanted to get into us to make us into transhumanist robots. So when you look at it from the standpoint of that senator, uh, you know, it makes it clear why nothing is happening. This guy was just I highly recommend everybody listen to it. I am going to play it on the Radio 5G because I thought it was that important to get the perspective of somebody that is not of the swamp but works in the swamp and how it was obvious to him that the whole thing was BS to begin with. And yeah, he 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 did say, you know, talked about the fact that, you know, Trump was played by Fauci in his opinion because Fauci took over you know, everything. Like, I mean, when, when President Trump said something about the, I think it was the hydrochloroquine, <laughs> Fauci got out there and virtually pushed him away from the podium and said, no, I disagree with that, blah, 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 blah. Why? Because if there was a therapeutic, they couldn't ever get the, the pharmaceutical things in people's arms. Um, it was a brilliant presentation. And yes, he's very good, Don. Dan, what's his first name? Uh, Del Bigtree. Dell, yeah, it was it was very good. But um, I got to tell you, you know, I've said this, and, and the other day after I listened to that, I said, hmm. And I've been, you know, I look at real raw news that claims that Fauci's dead, and I've been saying there's something, something that's not the same Fauci because the first Fauci, I always saw him with glasses, and then the set now he's he doesn't have glasses anymore. So if you want to check me up on that, Google Anthony Fauci 2020 and see what comes up. And I'm going to tell you what comes up. Every photograph, almost every photograph, has him with glasses on. Then change it to 2022. And every photograph comes up and he has no glasses on. Now, how can you, I mean, I would think that if he had had some miraculous change to his vision, that somebody might have noted it. You know what I'm saying? Well, Nancy, maybe yeah. it was pure vanity because he was different. Huh? What, Dolly? I said, and his skin is different completely. Oh yeah, I mean, he's he's structurally the the his nose and everything seems to be similar. You know, there's aging can be very fast. But, no, it didn't look like it, but it's the the eyeglasses. And, again, you know, it's like, are they putting things out there so that we catch our attention so that we're not going to be so 
so surprised we're going to say, I noticed he wasn't wearing glasses. It wasn't the same guy, you know? <laughs> well, I was just going to suggest that maybe it was pure vanity because wasn't he voted the sexiest man alive a while back? <laughs> Not that I find him attractive. <laughs> was that vote from Fauci himself? I think Time Magazine. <laughs> well, is he supposed to be the Pope of the Church of Fauci? Because I know they did that. Someone started the Church of Fauci. <laughs> must be must be California because it's famous for that. <laughs> so he's the sexiest man alive and the Pope. <laughs> it, you, if you're if you're attracted to psychopaths. <laughs> is he knocking the fact that I might own land on the moon? No, we're we're not talking about the moon anymore, sweetheart. <laughs> you think Fauci's the man on the moon? Is that what he said? <laughs> no, he I'm owns sure. property. No, Walt was claiming that Californians were crazy, and I said, "Do you think he's referring to the fact that I own property on the moon?" <laughs> well, for example, uh, one of the things that I don't know if it's still open, but. Uh, California has the Church of Ed Wood. Remember the the oh, terrible yeah. movie <laughs> director Ed Wood. They they somebody opened the Church of Ed Wood and they would they would play his films every day. So I guess they make a church for anything. So it must be the Church of Fauci must be there in California. Yeah, yeah probably the, is. Didn't the Church of Satan start here? I don't know about that. Anthony Anthony LaVey. I thought it was in Southern California somewhere. Yeah, could have. Rosicrucians are here. Yeah. We had a, an interesting uh, thing happen down here in Florida. One of the Christian churches sent emails to all of the parents of the school. They have a school. And they sent the parents the uh, following email. If you have a gay or transgender child, immediately take them out of our school. We believe that a child has been given their gender by God, and there's nobody that should be taking it away from them. But they actually told the parents to take gay and trans... I, I mean, I'll be surprised if, <laughs> if something big doesn't happen to this poor little church, but a Christian church standing up for their Christian values. I was very proud. Florida. Yeah, I mean, they have a perfect right to do that. And if the gay and transgender groups wants to start their own school, they have a right to do that. I just joined this group, and it's, what is the title of it? Uh, Gays Against Gender Grooming. Okay, I, I, I heard this woman on Fox, and she's gay, and she said, the gay and transgender community are appalled by this mutilation of children through, uh, you know, the hormone therapy that is chemical castration and surgical castration. They're appalled by it. So the gay community, they got over 100,000 people who are, you know, working to say, no, it's not the gay and transgender community that is supporting this. So it goes back to that question of, well, who is? 
Well, those people that think that God doesn't exist and that they can change. What, what does God give us? It gives us he, she, whatever it is, gives us this body, this, this female or male or maybe gay or transgender or whatever. But that's what you're born with. And, you know, to, to start messing with it. No, learn. It's part of your learning. You may be a gay person, but you still got to go through life as you were born to be. That's where the where you learn, and to to think that you you know more than God and that the doctors t- I mean well, it's just horrendous. The thing that uh, that uh, smacks him, at least in in my view, as being obvious is why are schools getting involved with uh, individual sexuality when that's not the purpose of schools? Isn't school where you go to be taught math and geography and I'd like physical to education that. is like why is is your sex being that's that's between you and your parents you're supposed to, like be to be learning love from from like in private and it's something that you learn from your family but why is school getting involved that's not the job I, of a school I'd like to answer that question from the uh, opinions of three uh, northern california teenagers over the last 7 years and that is number 1 they can't discipline students. They can't get unruly students out of the class. So teachers have lost any hope they ever had of controlling the classroom. Because of that, the educational system here in California, which is 38 in the nation, has dropped into the toilet and they can't teach the kids. So not only do you have unruly kids beating up on teachers, but you have stupid unruly kids beating up on teachers. And so now they have to look for a win. And the only place after all the other BS that has destroyed our schools, that they can get a win is in the transgender and gender community because it's a political football and California is a liberal place and it rings well with good intentions. It destroys society. It will destroy society if they keep teaching the kids the way they're teaching them because we need to go back to educational principles and we need it really freaking fast because our infrastructure systems are breaking faster and we can fix them. Well, with all due respect, I think you're giving them an out. These people are being played by some very evil people. Yeah, there, does, there, is, there is no rationalization. I don't care what anybody says, there is no rationalization for sexually mutilating a human being. No, I, agree, I agree with you on this, that there are other forces that have jumped in but the, the teachers have just rolled right over. They would want to be at home. If you could ask any teacher right now to be at home on a camera all day long, every one of them in California will probably tell you, I'd rather be at home. It's safer. They don't want to go into class. They'll teach anything once they get there as long as they know that they're being protected. And as long as they're teaching this crap, they're being protected. You know, when I, when I was teaching school, um, uh, it was high school, and I had a fight break out in my room. Now, I've never in my high school and you know going through. I never saw a fist fight break out in my in a, a classroom, but that's exactly what happened. And one of my students jumped up like to help, and I grabbed one of them. And when I did that, he he grabbed the other one, and I felt my guy go limp. And so I let go of him, but his guy didn't go limp, but he saw me let go, so he let go. And this kid 
hauled off to hit the kid that was in front of me. The kid in front of me ducked, and it he hit my he hit my cheek, cheek cheekbone. Okay, and when he did, I grabbed his arm, threw him across the room. He crashed to the wall, and then you know, was kind of stunned. He was on the floor. And I turned around to my classroom and I said, I ever see this happen again and you're really going to find out what I can do. It was all bullshit. <laughs> it wasn't karate <laughs> or anything else. It's just his, his, his whole body was, you know, that he was out of, he was out off balance. Right. You know, for, for over five but years. I never, had, I never had another problem in my room ever. But I was stunned. I couldn't believe this. And I can't. One of the reasons that I left teaching was I was sure I was going to kill a student. <laughs> I said, I, I'm not built for this. I, you know, I'm not going to put up with this bullshit. <clears throat> I mean, uh, I sat there and whatever the teacher said, we did. Totally. Yeah. School well, it goes, goes back to parenting and upbringing and, and not just the parents, but just, you know, what we've been conditioned with you know, in society and well, they started breaking oh. up the family from the, from yeah. the, from the moment that both members of a, in a, in a mother and father from the moment that both have to work to be able to have a home where to have house your kids. That's it. That's the beginning of the end for the family because there, there's no structure. Both parents have to work full time. If you want to, if you want to have any comfort at all, and, and, and they dump it on you. Oh, you have to have this, and you have to have that, and you have to have the two vehicles, and you have to have, and every, oh, everyone needs, an, if you have three kids, four kids, five kids, each one needs a cell phone, and that costs money, right? So they keep piling it on, so there's less and less of a family. It's yeah. just a bunch of strangers sharing a house, and each one is in a rush to leave, and, you know, I'll make my own life somewhere else because there's no life at home. Well, so yeah, they, and then they go to work on, you know, these kids at a very impressionable age, and they go to work on their self-worth and their self-esteem. And, you know, to me, I, I mean, I don't want to judge somebody who wants to chop off their body parts and become something else, but, you know, that's, to me, that's, a form of self-mutilation and self-loathing. I mean, if if you really feel like that's if what you need to do, they don't let your boat until you're what twenty-one, or did they put it down to eighteen? And yet, they'll these children are put on hormones without their parents knowing it at twelve, right. 13, fourteen years old. This is absolutely uh, yeah. These people need to hang. Sorry, I'm with Dolly. Hang them all. Off with their heads. They're evil. <laughs> Off with their heads. Yeah, they're evil beyond evil. Let them hang high. Yes, they are. That's, that is Satanism. That is the worship of the devil. Those are the demons that, that I've been talking about. That, oh, boy. they. I'm getting myself wound up. I'm done. It's, uh, I guess it's I was lucky. I, I guess I was lucky I, when I went to school, physical uh, physical punishment was a given. I mean, teachers would walk around with a with a pointer, and they would hit you over the head with it. And and you couldn't call the police. You couldn't come. You couldn't complain to anybody, not even your parents. And and if your parents showed up, 
because your teacher hit you over the head with her with this stick your parents ended up hitting you what did you I do had, to offend the teacher <laughs> I, I had a friend of mine who had a, a student with a, a brush who was beating this other student and he grabbed it from the one that had it and said what are you crazy and threw it in the trash and the next thing he knows he's being confronted by the person's parent saying that he had thrown away their brush why did he throw away their brush it was a big thing in the school he almost lost his job wow <laughs> you know wow. so that's that's where it got so that's what bob's talking about you know yeah, you well, have here, here in california ever since i've been in school you're you are not allowed to touch the kids no no in public schools since probably 70 not a chance and uh there would be frequent fright fights at the public schools all the time through the 70s 80s 90s and, and it's even worse today um but at the school i went to was a parochial school a private school and they the uh, brothers could beat the shit out of you daily if they wanted and did they no <laughs> Were you one of those no, the brothers would frequently use force in a positive teaching environment. An example might be where they, I remember throwing, one of the brothers threw a football player into a big pile of leaves from a second story building to demonstrate the use of power. Uh, it was, didn't really matter if the football player had a right to be where he was. The brother was just demonstrating that if you catch somebody off guard and pick them up and throw them into a pile of leaves, that can happen to you without you wanting it to happen. So you should be prepared for those things. Uh, that player became one of the best guards in Northern California <laughs> after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're at the end of the show here. Dolly, you want to say good night? Yeah, good night, everybody. And just remember, the the evil is after your soul. That's the whole thing that the they're after your soul, and we're trying to keep ours. So um, just be beware, be safe. I love you. Bye bye. Walt, do you want to say goodbye? Oh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, it was a great show today. Thank you for having uh, Bob and Jasmine. Really a good. He said it's a good power couple to interview. <laughs> Thank you very much. And Thank yes, you all. I really appreciate being here. Thank you all. And thank you, everyone. We we love being on the show. Absolutely. So, um, and I thank you all and hope that you have a nice weekend here. And just be your authentic self. We're going to get through this. Be safe. Say what? Say what radio show? With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. <laughs>